Welcome to episode 34 of The Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. I thought maybe for a second you forgot who you were. Why? No, was, you know, what, a little bit of a, a little bit of a dramatic pause before I dramatic dramatic pause before I announce dramatic myself. Pause. I think that that's kind of cool, right? No. Uh, yeah. Before I'll be, I I'll announce be, my presence, I'll, I'll be speedier next time. Before I announce my presence with authority. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. be speedier next was, episode. Okay. I was like, did he forget his name again? <laughs> It's a big didn't, didn't we give you a shirt with your name on it? So you yeah, I wear, look? I wear the hello, my name is. Just to yeah, remind myself. But then you look at it upside down and you're like, I can't read this. <laughs> oh my I can't God. read this. I can't what read is this, this? I have no idea who I am, man. Uh, so what's up? I don't up? think anybody knows. What's up? Yeah. I don't know. The Senate is going to destroy health care. Dude. Other than that, nothing. Russia has, uh, Wait. has now it's a fact that they <laughs> fucked with our election. I know because 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 the president is blaming is blaming President Obama <laughs> for the Russia hacks. If he didn't have Obama to blame for stuff, what would he do? Uh, he wouldn't be president. That Although someone else would be the right. president blaming Obama for stuff. That's true, right? Because that's the that was the he, whole Republican strategy. Be, that he would not be president if he couldn't blame Obama. For right. Him. And think about how potent it is with the GOP base. I mean, not only do you get to blame a Democrat, but you get to blame a black Democrat. I Seriously, mean, the only thing better, the only thing better for them would be a woman. <laughs> exactly. They should have they should have had Hillary to kick around because then they were, Exactly. Well, that's the thing we talked about that. We talked about the fact that there, it was probably going to be even more vicious if oh, she was no, the president no. of the United States because they had 25 years to build up an irrational hatred of her. No. They never would allow her right. to govern. Well, they did they ever let Obama? Before. No, they talked well, about his Waterloo he, the day before he was inaugurated. No, they, true, you know, they, they, also, they did reelect. He, he did get reelected, though. Right. But they never would allow her to get allow her to go. Look, Back in the 1990s, the fringe that now controls the Republican Party was saying and that Bill Clinton was elected. It, it was it was it, it, based on fraud and it was illegitimate, illegitimate election. election, right? So they'll never allow any Democrat to to govern. Well, certainly, certainly not an African American or a woman, woman, right? So, and I guess Bill Clinton, yeah, no Democrat, no. It's so. Fu- yeah, we're, we're fucked. We're totally we're fucked. fucked. I mean, this is this is we've been fucked. But what's um, interesting is that it's not interesting. It's There's ironic. It's absurd. It's, it's fucked, fucked up. Is it's that the horrible. president said that he wanted a health care bill out of the Senate that wasn't as mean as the House bill? <laughs> what did right. they do? So they just got meaner. They it's got meaner. meaner. And you have people like... How can it even be meaner? You have people like Mike Lee and Ted Cruz. They won't support it because it's not mean enough. This thing might fail because it's not mean enough. It is so mean. There were people in wheelchairs in Mitch McConnell's office. They had to be dragged dragged out out. by the Capitol Hill police. Could you imagine America in 2017? When you're you're dragging out people in wheelchairs, like... 
just yeah, we always feel like you know what it can't get any lower like we've hit the bottom but the bottom keeps dropping further and further right but you would think that this would have an impact on people uh, who were supporters of the Republican Party but one of my friends uh, posted on Facebook that some supporter of you know Trump who's like a big you know a holy roller Jesus freak and stuff when the when the pictures and video of these people being dragged from from Mitch McConnell's yeah. office, this person tweeted and said, looks like these people need to work on their health care first, their own health care first. Like, what? So what's he saying? That because they're sick, right. they need to take care of right, themselves? Right, right, right. That they're, they're not taking personal responsibility. I mean, Jesus uh, Christ, what is the matter with people? And this guy's a holy roller? Yeah, a Jesus freak. I think it's a woman. I think yeah. it was a woman. Oh, shit. You know what? These people are not religious. No. The, the religion has nothing to do well, with... Well, they claim with, to be. I mean, this is their... You know, they claim to have some sort of moral... Religion. Right. But, but that's not that's not religion. Religion is not that. Religion is protecting the weak right. and the sick. Of course. And those who cannot protect themselves. I mean... Religion is being a moral Jesus didn't say cor- lower the corporate tax rate and the tax rate on but the one point five percent but he would have. <laughs> he would have if he knew what was going on in this country. I mean, it's a dystopia. We are in it. This is this is the dystopia, and we can't get out of this. Like, there's not going to be an impeachment. No, there, he's not going to walk no, away. This, he's going to get reelected. And this whole he's thing about it, this Democratic wave in the midterms is a fucking fantasy. It's a fantasy. I mean, yeah, but I don't blame Nancy Pelosi. I don't blame Nancy Pelosi either. I posted there. that on Facebook. Because it's, that was a deep red easy. district. Uh, again, let's blame the woman. Right. Like, let's blame Nancy Pelosi for this. I, I don't blame her, but I do think, look, she's 70 what years old. She's been the leader of the House for forever. It's time for a new blood, to be honest with you. You know, her, Steny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn, these people have been around for a long time. There are dynamic young leaders in the Democratic Party. Let's give them a shot. Let's let's really let's you know, let's pay let, let's bow out gracefully. They've had a good run. And and let's let's let a new energetic young group of people fight it out over what it means to be a Democrat in this in this country. I'm telling you, I think, you know, look, you're in a position of power and influence for long enough, just by definition you end up losing that edge. And yeah, Nancy Pelosi as leader has been losing elections over and over again, but her own personal status. I mean, she was the speaker for a couple of years and then she's been the leader of the Democrats in the House. And, uh, you know, I just yeah. feel like these, these people, have, even if they are in the minority, they still have power and privilege. And it's not healthy for these people to be in the same position year in and year out and year in and year out. They, they lose the eye of the tiger. Rising up, you think they've lost the back eye of the on the street. Yeah. Did my time. So to, yeah, they've got they to go out to California. What they need to do. Go out exactly, to California. Go to the gym. Go to the gym. Train with Apollo Creed. To with Apollo Creed in, a, in, a, in, a, in the words, in a colored gym. And that's what Pauly called it. Right. Rising up. Back on my feet. Wow. Did my time. Did my chances. Went the distance, now I'm back all on right, my... All right. All right. They, they need to get the Eye of the Tiger back. They do, and I don't think, I, I don't think Nancy Pelosi is going to get the Eye of the Tiger back. 
I just you don't. Steny Hoyer is your man? No. Steny, Ho- Steny, Steny Hoyer? What is his real name? Is That's his not real- a great I don't know. Stenog- it's short for stenographer. <laughs> stenographer. <laughs> so I just think, you know, it's crazy. I mean, look, the, the Ossoff loss, clearly not her fault. But here's the thing. I was just reading a terrific article. I was reading a terrific article in Salon by my editor, Andrew O'Hare. And he he points out that it's not that Asaf came so close in this year of, you know, people sick and tired and crazy and motivated. No. He he didn't do any better than the guy who lost to Tom Price. It's that the Republican running against him vastly underperformed. By like sixty six thousand votes, because she's she a fucking also, idiot. She's a maniac. She's, she's a, a maniac. maniac. She said right. she's against the livable wage. She's she's like one of these helmet haired, crazy suburbanite she also, Republican. She, she, from, she doesn't. What she doesn't support. She doesn't support same sex marriage. She doesn't support a living wage. No, she's, she's a right wing extremist. Right. But, but really, you know the only reason why Asaf came close was all a, a bunch of Republicans decided that they that, that they were going to stay home. Well, not because but, there were people who but, were crossing over. That Republicans in these districts, the districts, Republicans in these districts, lose. will never vote for a Democrat. So either Asaf had to win in the first round when there were like seven Republicans or yeah. how many Republicans running against each other, or he was going to lose. That's what I said. That's what I said to Lauren when that when the when the first round happened. I said, all these all these national Democrats are going to freak out. Asaf's going to win. It's going to yeah. be this great moral victory. I said he's going to lose. There's no Democrat that yeah. can win in that district, and the only way he came close was they they put up this woman Karen Handel or whatever her name is. She's awful. We need to win. We need a win, though. What the we need to do need is no. Oh, yes, of course we need a win, but we need to invest for 25 years in every level yeah. of American politics. There's been so much I focus totally on the White House. Yeah. I totally agree with you, but we don't have 25 years left. Well, and I don't mean you and I in our lives. I right. mean, this country as a democracy I, won't survive another 25 well, I, years I, at this rate. I, you, make a, you make a very good point. It's a very scary point, but... The, clearly, uh, at a nat, at, at, at both a national level and at the level of the states where you have ha- house seats gerrymandered to maintain yeah. this Republican lock, it's going to take more time than one outraged, you know, special You're election. Right. And here's, so, here's what I've been saying for a while too, though. There needs to be a national campaign to uh, ensure that people have the ability to vote. Yes, I mean whether it's a vo- getting voter ID cards into people's hands. Right. Know, if these crazy, if these crazy Republicans, of, if Chris Colbach, the guy in Kansas or wherever the fuck he's from, is gonna is gonna make people get on this phony, this phony, phony fake news story about voter fraud, if this is going to be the guy who's going to be framing the terms of the debate, then we all have a responsibility like a previous or two generations ago, people who went down to the South and registered people to vote, we got to go and get people and help them get their ID cards. That's right, because this is the exact same fight. This is the same fight and it's not going to go away. 
This guy has yeah. framed the narrative for the Republican Party. He's an evil Here's, person. It's about voter suppression. Here, that's exactly what it is. And racism in 2017 does not look like racism in 1963, 64 in Alabama. It's a lot more subtle. And it's a lot smarter. Right. They don't, there are no Klansmen burning crosses, at least very few. I mean, clearly, that's not exactly true because there are people getting murdered outside of mosques and, and whatnot and churches being firebombed still to this day. But it doesn't look... You can't identify the evil in the same way you could back then. People wear suits, they go to college, right. they talk a good game, and they talk about it in terms of law and order. Right. They don't say the white man needs to be separate from the black race because <laughs> right. we're superior. But the message No, they say, oh, is, we have no problem with... Same. Right. We have no problem with African-Americans. We just don't, you know, belong together, and we don't want them voting in our... But they don't even say that. They don't even say that. They say there's a problem with voter fraud. Right. Which, as, which, as you said, is fake news. It's not a problem. Voter fraud in this country up until 2016 was almost <laughs> non-existent. Right. No, but they do like people like Richard Spencer say. I have no problem with black people, but I don't want to be. I don't want to be in the same you know communities with them and that kind of crap. I mean, that's that's the hardcore. Then, then guess what? You do have a problem with black people, right? Of course. Until you say, I don't care where I live, and I don't care where they live, and I don't care who I marry, and I don't care who they marry, then you have a problem. Uh, Why people hate so much? Jesus Christ. Because that's we're we're hardwired oh, that way. I mean, this is evolution. This is it's it's evolution. Dude, it's terrible. It is terrible. It's, ter- it's wearing on me, man. And the wearing on you. The country is being torn apart. Yep. Yep. This is as this is as close. We are as divided as we have been since the Civil War. Yeah. There was a there was I was listening to NPR. Shocking, I know, on the way home the other day. And there's a guy who's a regular contributor. Wait, they, play, they, they play Van Halen on NPR now? <laughs> no, but when they're, when they're being, like, too pretentious NPR, that's when I flip over and, and put on either, you know, Pandora, like Van Halen Station, or pop in a disc. I was wearing my Van Halen 78 Tour t-shirt today, by the way. Nice. It was nice. so awesome. Um so, anyway, so you were listening so to listening this to pretentious guy on was, No, no, no. He wasn't pretentious. They were, they, he, this is a guy who um, – I think it's on Fresh Air. They call him from time to time. He's from somewhere in in Michigan. A small. I, I think he grew up in Flint or he was born in Flint and now he lives somewhere else and whatever. And there was it was his 40th high school reunion and mm-hmm. no one wanted to go because – People were so divided politically. Yeah, no I one wants like thirty five people showed up for this reunion out of a class of fifteen hundred people. Because people just they couldn't they couldn't handle the fact that the everybody is so polarized and they they hate each other over politics or they were embarrassed there's to go because be, of things that they said. There's gotta be a percentage of those people who are embarrassed that they Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Poorly. Of course. But yeah, but again, least, this is at least fifty percent of it. But that. this is this is a function of our time, and also it's a function of social media. I don't know if you read um, uh, Brett Stevens' piece in the his contribution to the New York Times. I guess it's tomorrow. Maybe it was today, or it's today, set up for tomorrow today. about how he's getting tomorrow off Twitter because Twitter, yeah, because it's it's political porn, 
and and social media does accentuate that. You know, the great sort where you only people only live with liberals, they only talk to liberals, they only read liberal things, and vice versa. And what yeah. happens is in social media, you can be horrible to each other over this kind of thing because of the anonymity of it. Um, and I, you know, it's it's true. I've I, all weekend I've been posting on Twitter um, pretty pictures of flowers from our garden because people are so nasty and the, and the, it's uh, Americans and the world. Everybody is in this terrible, terrible mode. And I, I figured maybe if I posted, you know, pretty pictures on Twitter, people would chill out a little bit. Just my little contribution to, to world peace. Think that would help? Yeah. No, but it was. No, but, but but Twitter Twitter is absolutely a shithole. Oh, it's it's bile. It it's just horrible, it's, it's nasty. Horrible. Yeah, and, and guess who owns? And guess who? Not literally, but figuratively owns Twitter. Donald J. Trump. Uh, yes. I mean, it's perfect exactly. for him. It is the perfect it medium because, for him. Because it's, it's the toilet of the of social media. Right. It, it really would be a good thing if Twitter went the, went the way of MySpace or something. Something else would take its place, yeah. though. I mean, this is really just as bad. People just can let it all hang out. Their racism, their na- inner nastiness. It's so, it, it, it's so horrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, How many Brett people Stevens have you had to is, block? What? How many people on Twitter? How many people have you had to block on Twitter? Uh, thousands. You yeah. know. See, I don't have that many followers, and I don't post all that. I often. mean, but you know, I and get I there's a there's a there's an army of Turkish Twitter trolls that you just have to yeah. block. I mean, it's it's nasty. It's can borderline say, violent. What? Can you say Turkish Twitter trolls five times in a row? I can't actually. I almost said. Turkish Twitter trolls, Turkish Twitter trolls, Turkish Twitter trolls, Turkish Twitter trolls, Turkish Twitter trolls. There you go. But nice. I had to really, con- I had to concentrate there. It wasn't, it didn't roll rock, right off my tongue. You rocked that shit. I rocked it. The, and you know, you the, <laughs> the Egyptians can be wow. bad, but they're not that bad. I mean, the Turks are really pretty terrible. But the worst, they're not as bad as the worst are the Americans. I mean, people are just horrible well, to each other. People are horrible to each other. And that's just about the Yankees. Oh God! Don't even get me started. They're, having, they're going through. They're going through a rough patch right now. They're like they're only nine games over five hundred now. Right? When was the last time they won? Yeah. Oh, they, they won, won two nights night. ago, but then it wasn't. It hasn't been like two no, weeks. They won last night. They won last, last night. night, two to one. They won. They yeah. They, they didn't. I, play we well can't talk about today. the Yankees. This is too much. It's making me. It's upsetting my is stomach. It, uh, Either that or the cheesecake factory. I don't know. You should never go to the Cheesecake Factory for dinner. The girls are going to camp tomorrow Wait, for a what month. Did you, what did you have? Did you have a salad? No, I had the uh, shrimp tacos. They were okay. Did anybody have a salad? No. They didn't have, the tacos didn't have that much like, taste. The salads are like the size of No, Oh, God. No, we, I got the, we got the, like, the, the, the normal size the the normal size serving menu, because otherwise it's just Wait, fucking they absurd. Have two different menus. Yeah, they have the menu for like if you want something that you can eat for a week, but that people are like, oh, it's a serving. I'll eat this all once at once, or they have a menu that's for like no, you know what a normal human being should actually. Are consume. you serious? Yeah. Yeah, 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 is that for this is for real? Because yeah. I, mean, I don't go to Cheesecake Factory yeah, all no. that often because they don't they don't have them in New York City. <laughs> but lucky for you. Wait, so there's 
So there's like a menu of like supersized items. Yeah, but that's the normal size. Items? That's the normal oh. size. It's not supersized. So it's like the regular so what menu. Do they call, what do they call the mini menu? And it's not. The mini menu would be like what a, 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 an actual reasonable serving of food would be. They call that the skinny menu. But it's not like it's. It's, it's not, not like a, or anything. It's a little bit healthier, but it's just a it's just a, a reasonable serving size as opposed to this gargantuan amount of food that they throw at you. That's so, no, so but the, interesting. I had no idea about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I. You Did know, you guys the, have cheesecake? Look, it's their. La- it was their last night before going to camp. What, kind, what kind of what kind of che- what kind of cheesecake? It was like a Reese's peanut butter chocolate cake Ooh. cheesecake. Some concoction. It was, tri- was it treacly sweet. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it was it was a little too sweet for me. It's a good thing I ran this. Did morning. they have? Did they have an orange creamsicle cheesecake? <laughs> they did not have an orange creamsicle. But I will tell you this: I am reading. I I'm reading Black Dog of Fate uh, by Peter Bell Bel- Bel- Belakian. That's not the Led Zeppelin. <laughs> no, no, Black no, 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 no. No, it's uh, it's about the Armenian genocide and. Uh-huh. He's talking about... Well, who's the author? I'm sorry. Who's the author? Peter Balakian. Um, okay. Show me that. Show me that book. Let me show you the book. You want to see the book? Hold on one second. Yeah. One second. I'll get that book for you. Why? There it is. Black Dog of Fate. Okay. Okay, about so... About the Armenian Genocide. It's about the Armenian Genocide. And, they, and the kid there... By the way, he's he's in New Jersey. He lives in New... He grew up in New Jersey. Grandmother... Is from obviously uh, is from Diyarbakir, oh, yeah. in uh, which is now a predominantly Kurdish city in southeastern Turkey, but was had a very large Armenian presence for a while. Anyway, um, he's recounting how he's in New York City with his grandmother shopping for clothing, and they get lost, and they end up in Harlem, and uh, they he's starting to get hungry, so. <laughs> They stop and buy creamsicles on the street. Uh, oh, I was like, nice. I was like, creamsicles suck, yo. Dude, fuck you. <laughs> Let me just say that the Armenian genocide never happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> I that's, what I was br- that's what we all were brought up thinking because the There Turks- can only be one genocide. Well, there's one. There's only there's the Holocaust and nothing else. Right. But also, the Turks did a very good job of making sure that this was off of the agenda for decades. Right. Decades. Well, and, then, and then the kind of craven uh, view of many in the organized American Jewish community, which was... Let's that, not name names. Let's, let's not name names, but uh, that... The Anti-Defamation anti- League. <laughs> Under its previous leadership, the Anti-Defamation League, a guy named Abe Foxman, um, made a determination that that because Turkey had relations with Israel, that American Jews should not recognize the Armenian Genocide. Um, There would be no discussion of the Armenian Genocide. Right. And it's actually really just – that is a phenomenon of the last 25 years because – Turkey yeah. established ambassadorial relations with, with Israel in 1993. But then in, in the late 90s, there were really tight security ties. And so no one yeah. wanted to ever upset the apple cart. But um, so, yeah, so people were mobilized against this idea of recognizing Armenian genocide. But I think the only thing worse 
that in, an actual genocide is it's, pretending that it's pretending to nap and didn't I, take place. Yeah, I and denying people. I know. That it so, is, isn't it terrible? Well, it's there, very, there was, to, do you there, find it at all ironic? There was a significant that, revolt against Foxman late in his late yeah. in his tenure by younger, more younger activist up and coming Jewish leaders, people who were involved in the ADL. Um, on this issue, I remember there was a Boston. I guess it was the Boston chapter. We were in open revolt about uh, uh, on this issue specifically. So you well, know, all, Fox was a dinosaur. Craven. It, it helped them. It, it helped them once you know the Turks started to call become less friendly. Well, call the Israelis Nazis. Less, less, yeah, right. less friendly with Israel. So then all right. of a sudden, the Israelis and the American Jewish community were like, hey, right. now we're going to start talking about the Armenian genocide. But for the fact that... But do you find it at all, but do you find it all ironic that the people who uh, are most afraid of Holocaust denial <laughs> are willing to deny somebody else's genocide? I, 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 it is. The, the, the irony, irony is, is so stunning to me that it leads me to believe that irony really is actually dead, um, except on the Amen corner. Because how is this? I mean, you, you have an entire leadership of the American Jewish organization, huge numbers of American Jews who are mobilized uh, to uh, ensure that the memory of the Holocaust is kept and to uh, denounce in every way Holocaust denial. Yet for years, People remain silent about the Ar- Armenian genocide because the Turks were nice to the Israelis. I mean, right, it exactly. is true. It is true that the it is true that the Republic of Turkey was uh, was founded um, six, uh, nine years, uh, eight years after the events of uh, of 1915, and this was the responsibility of the the Ottoman Empire, um, but. The Turks deny what happened, uh, what happened there, and 1.5 million people were killed. You know, the Turks say, "Oh, this was, you know, this was during wartime, and there wasn't yeah. a lot of control from from Istanbul." But of course, there's 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 archival evidence that, in fact, that is not the case. That that's not that, that in fact. No, this is a genocide. Right. Exactly. This- so. And, they, and then they blame it on they blame it on the Kurds. I mean, there was Kur- but, but Kurds were enlisted to kill Armenians. So, as long as we're talking about the Holocaust, <laughs> I just want to remind remind you. Yes. What the President of the United States wrote in the guest book <laughs> at Yad Vashem when he visited there earlier this year? Didn't he say? And he he wrote. I'll read it. Okay, to you. read it to me, please. It is a great honor to be here with all of my friends. So amazing, and we'll never forget. Oh, my God. That's like a high school yearbook. So amazing. So, oh. with all of my friends, with all of my friends here, Yad Vashem. Meanwhile, Jay Kush. so amazing. And we'll, Meanwhile, Jay yeah, Kush Jared in the Kushner. Holy Land. Jared Kushner making peace the old-fashioned way by giving up. Shows up. <laughs> At Mahmoud Abbas's office with Israeli demands. Um, that How did he, that happen? How did these get in my pocket? 
I had a whole different set of talking points. <laughs> and then somehow I ended up with these. Uh, he read the Israeli demands. Now, I mean, I think the, the generous interpretation of Jared Kushner basically parroting Israeli demands um, is that is, is Kushner mine. doesn't have a staff. He has no experience. He's not prepared. And so he first goes to see the Israelis and they say, do, we would like for you to do this. And that sounds reasonable, right? So what is the thing that Abbas is enraged about is that it's a demand that the Palestinians stop providing money, funding, salaries, yeah. funding, uh, the 600 uh, or more uh, Palestinians held in Israeli prisons for spilling Israeli blood. Um, and... You know, in, in the in the broad abstract, look, these people are stand accused of having killed Israelis. That makes sense. I mean, Abbas and the Palestinian Authority are, are providing funds to these people and, and their families. But yeah. in a broader context, you have to understand, one, the importance of Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails as, as a kind of symbolic issue in Palestinian politics. Two... The the idea that is crucially important to Palestinians under occupation, which is this this idea of steadfastness. And three, Abbas, uh, because of these ideas and how important they are in Israeli politics, for him to immediately cave on an issue that's as sensitive to this and say, oh, OK, without getting anything from the Israelis in return uh, is uh, an affront. And okay, so so given your generous interpretation of this, right. aren't these people? Didn't they market themselves as the best negotiators <laughs> out there? Right. So we're now going to say, well, he made a rookie mistake in his first negotiation. No, that's not what you were billed as. The best negotiator ever. As, yeah, the best negotiator ever. So guess what? This shit's hard. <laughs> It's next to impossible to accomplish. It actually very well may be impossible to accomplish. That's been my position. It is impossible to accomplish. But instead of speaking truthfully, you say, no, no, I can take care of this in two weeks. When (laughs) no, you fucking can't. You can't. And you certainly can't when you don't have a staff and you don't have somebody there negotiating who actually knows what the fuck he's talking about. (laughs) And so then when you run into trouble, then you say, ah, that's it. I'm not interested in this anymore. So that's it. That's it. So One now, try. If he can't get it in you know, two that, minutes, he's a fucking baby. That's the old, that's the old college try. <laughs> I guess that's the old college try when your father buys a fucking gymnasium to get you into college. <laughs> no, but so it's not. Unless you, can buy, unless you can buy a gymnasium for the Palestinians, I don't think this is going to no, work. No, but I don't think, well, first of all, the Kushner family would buy a gymnasium for some illegal settlement on Palestinian Yeah, they buy, exactly. But, they, put, they put a basketball court <laughs> in an illegal settlement. The Kushner Great. basketball court. But I'm sure they'd already exist. But it, it wasn't Jay Kush who threw up his hands. It was the president. The guy who said, ah, oh, this no, is the biggest because, deal already. Because Jay Kush couldn't deliver the goods. <laughs> So if you're sending your best man to do it and he, after 15 minutes, can't get it done, you give up, you're not really trying. Oh, my God. And like you said, Stephen, he's never done this before. Nope. He has no no staff. He has no experience. He has no brains. If the best best minds of the U.S. diplomatic corps 
and the foreign policy elite, and I know that that's a horrible word to use, <gasps> but it is what they are, for, let's call it four generations now, <laughs> if they couldn't figure this the fuck out, you think this little shit from New Jersey is going to figure mm. it out? No. Nah. No. No. Sad. No. Loser J. Kush couldn't negotiate peace between Israelis and Palestinians. Sad. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> you're fired. You're, you're fired. <laughs> My tiny little hands, you're fired. <laughs> All right. On that happy note, we're out of here. Fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. All right. You're fired. Peace. Peace.